This podcast is sponsored by GoToMeeting at gotomeeting.com slash podcast. You're listening to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Welcome to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale, the weekly radio talk show where we unwrap and reveal the secrets that successful people use, and you can too. Available at successunwrappedradio.com. I've got a simple solution for you if you're looking for a better way to present during conference calls, GoToMeetings web conferencing. So during your call, everyone logs in to GoToMeeting.com and your computer screen shows up on their computer screens, kind of like you're all in the same room. It works well for sales and product demos, training, or real-time brainstorming. And you're not charged per minute like with other providers, so you can meet anytime, any place, with anyone for as long as you like and as often as you like, without ever leaving your office. So you'll save time and money too. You can check it out yourself by trying GoToMeeting free today. All you have to do is go to gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast. That's gotomeeting.com slash podcast to try it free. My special guest this week is Kathleen Gage, best-selling author, top keynote speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur. Like many successful people, Kathleen has experienced the downs along with the ups, including homelessness and unemployment. But since then, she has had thousands of articles published in print and online and has taught people for years how to make money on the internet. She has also written and published dozens of books, ebooks, audio programs, and information products, including Message of Hope, Inspirational Thoughts for Uncertain Times, and the new bestseller, The Law of Achievement, Discover Your Purpose, Possibility, and Potential. Kathleen, thanks so much for being here today. Heather, it's great to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. Could you tell us about your success journey through the homelessness and, and what you've achieved since then? Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to be giving you about 30 years worth of information in a couple of minutes. <laughs> and uh, basically what happened was I, I was raised in a pretty much middle-class uh, type environment. I uh, went to good schools, had a roof over my head. My parents were great, loving folks. And as a matter of fact, they're getting ready to celebrate about uh, 60 years of being married together. Um, and yet in my teens and early 20s, I started making some pretty poor choices in life. Uh, I was one of those that was a, a little bit of a menace to society, and I, I got in a lot of trouble, and that trouble led me down a path to where I literally became unemployable and homeless. I, I ended up where I w had distractions in life that prevented me from being a responsible uh, citizen, if you will, and there were days that I just wouldn't show up to whatever job I had at that particular time, and most of them were pretty much dead-end jobs. And when you don't show up to work, you usually don't get a paycheck. And when mm. you don't get a paycheck, it's kind of hard to pay rent. And uh, I was living in in some places that weren't the uh, the, the best places on the, the necessarily the uh, best side of the tracks, if you will. And um, so I, I basically ended up in a place where I was pretty lost and, and couldn't figure out how I had ended up coming from the upbringing I, I had. How did I end up in, in that kind of a, a situation? 
And initially, I did a lot of blaming of other people. I always thought that I was the victim. It was their fault. It was just that I, uh, I was an unlucky person. And as I started on a road of self-discovery, it actually started with a book called The Magic of Believing. And I know right now The Secret is a really big deal with a lot of people. I actually have The Secret book. I watch the DVD, and it's great information. And what I realize is... Um, 30 years ago, I came across a book, it was actually a little longer than 30 years ago, called The Magic of Believing, which in principle has a lot of the the similar information as far as what you believe will become a reality, and also about the actions behind the belief. And I, I can't say that it was an easy road going from the mindset of being a victim to where I'm at today, because my life today is completely different. Um, before this, this conversation that we're having, I had the opportunity to take a walk down the road. I live near a river. I have uh, a beautiful, beautiful spread of land with a horse, a goat, and some just a, a wonderful life. And I don't say that to impress anybody, but to impress upon people that based on my beliefs and based on my thoughts and my actions, my life has changed. And so it really was about the opportunity to be given new information. And once I, I read that book, I just became a sponge for information. And it's interesting because one book I read was Your Erroneous Zones by uh, Wayne Dyer. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading it, and I, I was pretty taken by the information. I thought, this is incredible. And I started applying some of what I read, and yet I hit a roadblock in that my thought was, well, that's great for other people, but not for me. And so what I found happening is I would reach a little bit of success and then fall back and reach a little bit of success and fall back. And what I had to do was really look at why I kept climbing out, if you will, and then falling back in. And what it was is I had to, in in essence, at one point in my life, I had to change my playmates, my environment, uh, my thoughts, what I surrounded myself with, and it really had to do with what I chose to put into my mind, heart, and soul. And once I got really clear on that, it made all the difference in the world. Sounds like it was a complete life overhaul that got you over those stumbling blocks. It was. Like you mentioned, The Secret is very popular right now, and also there's a ton of self-help books, personal development books that people can turn to, and I know that the listeners of this show are obviously on a path where they're on a personal development journey themselves, but I find it's really hard for most of us to get rid of that victim feeling that you were talking about. What's the secret to overcoming that I'm a victim mentality? and being able to move on to being a survivor? You know, that's a a wonderful, wonderful question. And one of the things that I was taught probably 25 years ago by one of my spiritual teachers, um, I actually started uh, tapping into those people who had some knowledge that I wanted, and and I would listen to them. And I thought, well, you know, if, if they can do it, then maybe I can do it. And I would at least try what they were recommending. And one of my spiritual teachers said, you need to start writing down what you're grateful for. And this is when I was living in a little tiny place. It was about 350 or 400 square feet and uh, had the kitchen. You you walked into the kitchen and you hit the back wall. Uh, <laughs> there was barely enough room to do anything in that, that little studio apartment. And um, I said, you know, I don't have much to be grateful for. And she said, you need to start looking for what you need to be grateful for. And she was kind of a tough love 
teacher, if you will. Um, she, there's one thing for gentleness in our approach to life, but sometimes we just have to have people pull our covers and say, now, wait a minute. Why don't you look at what's good in life rather than what's bad in life? And she tasked me with writing down daily at least 10 things I had to be grateful for. And I'll tell you what, the first few times I did it, it was such a struggle. And today, I can write hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things that I have to be grateful for. And so that, to me, was a real shift. And what I know is it is a discipline. It is a process that you may not always feel like doing the things that you know will make you feel better. For example, eating healthy. We all know what the solution to getting in top physical shape is. We eat healthy. We exercise. It's very simple, and yet we complicate it. And we always look for that that one answer that's going to be the easy answer. And sometimes in life, there is no easy answer. It can be very simple, but it's a process to get into the discipline and the habit of meditating on a daily basis and writing a gratitude list and really looking at what is good in life rather than what's bad because the whole premise behind the secret and and any of those beliefs that the teachers in the secret talk about is that you focus on what's good rather than what's bad and the more you focus on what's good the more you're going to attract it to you because there's a light that we carry with us when we're in gratitude and gratitude is one of the highest vibrational levels that you can have in the universe it's like when you're in a place of gratitude magical things happen and it's interesting because those things may be happening anyway but if we're not in the place of recognizing and the place of awareness we won't even notice these things so it could be that we we get a letter in the mail and we get a uh, rebate check, for example, from, from something we bought months ago. And it might be a $10 rebate check, and we look at it and go, $10, is that all? Instead of saying, wow, $10, wow, that's great, what a gift. And appreciating that so that we can allow the universe or God or higher power, whatever people choose to call the source from above, to give us more and bless us more because the more we feel blessed, the more we're going to bless other people, and that creates an ongoing blessing. Mm-hmm. Is that process of writing down what we're grateful for something that should be continued indefinitely, or is it mainly a tool to get us out of the wrong kind of thinking? Well, I, I do it all the time. Um, when I took my walk a little while ago, I, I, I actually do it mentally and I do it actually by writing things down. But I was looking around and I was going, oh my gosh, look at the, the trees. They're in bloom already. I live in Eugene, Oregon, and, and uh, I moved from Utah. And in Utah right now, it's still cold and at times it still snows. And I'm in an area where it's so green and it's so beautiful. And the the peach trees are blossoming, the cherry trees are blossoming. And I, I was walking just going, this is incredible. And I started doing an inventory of what I had to be grateful for. I'm actually out walking with my dog during the day. I have that privilege today because of the kind of business that I run. I, I have my arms, I have my eyes, I have my ears, I can hear these things. So for me, it's an ongoing process, and I, I really think that anybody who is into the whole process of creating abundance and the law of attraction and the secret will agree with the fact that it should be an ongoing process. And again, it's like anything. We don't have to do it, but the choice really is what is the quality of life that we want to live? Mm-hmm. So I would say definitely an ongoing process. Okay. Now, whenever we're going through the tough times like you had described earlier, 
of course, the tendency is to wish that we didn't have those tough times. We want to get back into the good times, move forward, improve things. If you could have, would you have given those up? I don't know that I have an answer for that because I don't think I would be the person I am today had I not gone through the the periods of difficulty that I've gone through. And what's interesting about my life today is there are times where life can be pretty difficult, and yet the way I respond to those situations is very different today than it was 30, 35 years ago. Um, a great example is uh, the, the first book that I wrote, Message of Hope. I actually wrote that as a result of a very dear friend dying at the age of 36. He had a heart attack, and it was very sudden. Uh, it, it was a shock to, to my my system and my spirit and everybody who knew him was just, uh, just, oh, it was devastating. And what I did is I started writing my thoughts about his death, about life, about uh, things to be grateful for, the fact that he was in my life for the period of time he was. And initially it was just a healing process for me to write down my feelings. And that process of writing actually turned into a booklet of my thoughts, and I gave the booklet to his family and some friends, and then people started asking me if I was going to turn it into a book, and one thing led to another, and it actually became a book, and what's the greatest blessing out of that is that it has been a healing process. Uh, the book itself and the writings have been a healing process for many, many people, and that's not how I intended originally. So the thing about... Um, challenges and obstacles in life is it's really not what happens to us, it's what we do with it. And there's a gentleman who's a motivational speaker, his name is W. Mitchell, who actually at one point in his life was burned over 65% of his body, and a few years later after he started healing from that, he was in a plane accident, he was flying the plane, he was in a plane accident, and he became a quadriplegic. And he now travels around the world speaking on the the subject of it's not what happens, it's what you do with it. And when you see a man like W. Mitchell talking about the power of our thoughts, and he's been through everything he's been through, there's definitely a truth in there that I think is well worth listening to. And so it's really not about the circumstances in life that will or will not get us down. It's whether we choose to let them get us down. And my last book, The Law of Achievement, that's a great example of something that was very tragic that happened and an incredible blessing came out of the whole experience, which the, the book is the least of the blessings. Um, there, there were a lot of friendships that were developed as a result of my co-author's husband having a very tragic accident. He made it through. He was in shock trauma for three months after a motorcycle accident. Uh, he got through the situation to where he's now walking, he can see, he can talk, and there was a period where they questioned whether he would be able to and how severe brain damage would be. And we put together this idea of, of writing our thoughts down, uh, Lori, who is my co-author, and I would visit her and Troy at their house every day once he got out of the hospital, and we started writing down our, our thoughts on achievement, because both of us by that point had achieved quite a bit in our careers, and all of a sudden, that held no, no real um, meaning to it as far as all the plaques on the wall and all the awards we had gotten. What really held meaning was the the love of a friendship that, that one develops through an experience like this, the love of a wife to her husband or, you know, a life partner to their life partner when you go through something like this, uh, taking it to a level of really getting to the point where 
if everything was stripped away in life, would you still be in a place of gratitude? Would you still be able to walk through the situations in life that happen? Not that you like the situations that happen, uh, but would you walk through with dignity and with a sense of pride that you know you're going to get through, and it doesn't mean it's not going to be painful. Because I can tell you when, when Lori went through the whole experience with her husband being in the hospital, uh, that, that at that time we weren't even thinking of writing the book. It was when they, they both went home. And she was at the hospital 24-7. It was one of the most painful experiences that one can go through. And everybody goes through painful experiences. And we either are going to let it take us over and become the victim, or we're going to walk through it and get to the other side and hopefully become a more complete person as a result of it. So we're told it as a kid, but we tend to forget every cloud does have a silver lining. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to see the it, it but but on on some level it 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 is so true. It is so true. And we don't always see it when we're in the middle of something and and it's not always the most appropriate thing when somebody is going through a difficult situation to say, "Oh, just, you know, hang in there. It'll get better." Yeah. Sometimes the best thing to do is just sit there and and hold your friend's hand and and just be there. And I can remember many, many days when uh Troy was in the hospital and Lori would be by his bedside and there were those of us who would be there just to sit with her and do nothing but sit there with her. And that was not the time to say it'll get better. It was just the time to grieve and to to realize life had changed. And yet what's really amazing out of this whole situation is in that time, uh, Lori and Troy both have gotten to a deeper place in their relationship. Lori became the COO of an organization called Spiritual Healing in Medicine, and it's really about working with doctors, teaching them the spiritual side of healing. Troy actually has uh, spoken to a few groups since he has pretty much fully recovered. He's spoken to groups about what it was like to go through the experience. He has spoken to doctors about their language patterns and how important the language patterns are in the way we deal with situations in life. For example, when he was in the hospital, they in his recovery period when they were trying to get him to begin walking again, uh, they would put him in what's called the stroke chair. And it's a chair where they basically strap the patient down so that they can't move around because um, they, they have no control over their body. Well, at one point when he was still really out of it, if you will, he asked his wife, he said, Lori, have I had a stroke? And she said, no, why? And he goes, well, they keep putting me in the stroke chair. And so she asked the doctors if they would quit referring to the, that chair as the stroke chair because in his mind, he was in a place that anything that was put into his mind, he was going to assimilate it as his reality. So he started thinking he had a stroke. And that's one of the things that they're actually talking with doctors about is how important the words you use when you're dealing with a patient will make in their recovery and, and their healing process. You can visit Kathleen's website at KathleenGage.com. And I hope you've enjoyed the first segment of our interview. But it's not over. There's a full 200% more than what you just heard where we delve deeper into these success principles. To unwrap the full interview and get lots more tools for success, just sign up to become a Success Unwrapped member on any level you choose at SuccessUnwrapped.com slash members. This has been Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of Success Unwrapped, helping you to unwrap and discover your own potential for success. Until next time, keep unwrapping 
I'm Heather Vale. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network at Blueberry.com. That's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com.